thanks. Yeah, it's, you know, I was telling Ryan and Steve before we started that I was really looking forward to being with some actual people this morning. And unfortunately, that didn't work out, but it's still good to be with you all virtually. And I know uh, through over the years of uh, guest speaking at St. Paul's, I know many of you, and it would have been great to see you, but uh, hopefully sometime soon we can do this in person again. But um, I, the text I brought for us this morning is Psalm 23, and it's the most famous passage probably in the whole Bible, and uh, it's the most famous for a reason, uh, just because it's so wonderful, and you know, it's particularly wonderful in a time of uncertainty. So uh, let me read it for us, and then we'll spend some time. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pray with me briefly. Uh, Father, as we come now to this text, uh, one that is so familiar that we might just kind of uh, not even think much about what it says, uh, we pray that you would guide us and apply it to our hearts and comfort us and make us different. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, this is a psalm that we read, and if you've studied the psalms, and people that study the psalms like to classify the psalms into the different types, you know, uh, there's a lot of different types. For instance, about a third of the psalms are laments, and uh, this uh, psalm, Psalm 23, is classified usually as a psalm of confidence, which is interesting to think about, like, why confidence? Uh, it's meant to, you know, it's a psalm, psalms were meant for singing by uh, God's people. And so it's a psalm that's meant to instill confidence, especially as we sing it together, as we worship with it together. And, you know, we need confidence because life puts us in all kinds of situations where trusting God seems like the worst idea, or at least not the best idea. Uh, I have little kids at home. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old and what that means for me is that I've seen the movie Finding Nemo like 17 times. Great movie, uh, highly recommended if you haven't seen it. It's the story of Nemo, the clownfish who runs away from his father, Marlin. And then it's about Marlin's pursuit of Nemo uh, across the ocean. And uh, along the way, Marlin, as he pursues his son, uh, encounters Dory. And Dory is just this hilarious fish that uh, what you need to know about her is that she can't remember anything. She forgets things you, that she was told like five seconds earlier. And so there's all these like hilarious things with that. But uh, there's this point in the movie where Marlon and Dory get separated. And while they're separated, Dory encounters some fish that give her the advice of, you know, they say, when you get to the trench, 
go through it, not over it. And Dory's like, okay, through it, not over it. And then she reunites with Marlon and they get to the trench. And remember, she can't remember anything. So they get to this big, scary trench and Marlon's like, okay, this is so scary. We're just gonna go over it. And she's kind of like semi-remembering. She's like, I think something's telling me like maybe we should go through it. And he's like, no, are you kidding? Like, look at how scary that is. No, we're gonna go over it. And of course going over it is the worst because there's all these jellyfish up there and it ends up awfully for them. But the point is that what seems the best just by looking at a situation is often the worst for us. And what seems the worst is often the best. And in the Bible, the best way of life is life with God, life with God and his people, uh, regardless of the circumstances, life and obedience to God. And, but when real life hits, it doesn't often seem that way. Um, it doesn't always seem like trusting God and obeying him is going to be the best way forward for me. Uh, but we need, we need to. And so how can we endure? How can we stay close to God? Uh, how can we maintain confidence and trust in a precarious time? And the answer that Psalm 23 gives is that when we, we can do it when we remember that God is our shepherd and our friend. And so that's what I want to just focus on this morning is these two images. God is the shepherd and God is the friend. And so this psalm, the most famous words in scripture are the Lord is my shepherd. And I want us to think about that. It says something about him. He's a shepherd. And if he's a shepherd, then that means that we are sheep. And I had fun uh, doing some sheep research that I want to share with you guys this morning. I read a news story that said this. It said, uh, hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week while shepherds looked on in, dis in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their deaths in a ravine in Van province near Iran, but broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who survived. Uh, shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free. Imagine that, right? One sheep just goes off a cliff and then just like hundreds and hundreds just keep going. Uh, that's what sheep are like. Uh, I read another story about Shrek the sheep, uh, a sheep named Shrek in New Zealand that had wandered off from his flock and avoided capture for six years by hiding in caves. And when he was finally caught, he was almost blind from all the wool growing over his eyes. And he had grown so much wool, uh, a normal sheep has about 10 pounds of wool on it when it's shorn and Shrek the sheep had 60 pounds of wool, enough to make 27 men's suits. Uh, can you imagine how heavy that must have been? Uh, consider some other sheep facts that I found. Uh, sheep can't fight, they can't run away. Uh, ba isn't scary, so they can't scare away. Uh, so what does a sheep do when danger comes? It flocks. Uh, when a bear approaches, the sheep will gather with others in a pack uh, and run in circles in complete panic, just hoping the bear will choose someone else. Uh, without a shepherd to protect them, they'll be picked off one by one. Okay, so we're like sheep. And 
you know, sheep are wonderful animals in a lot of ways, and God loves sheep, but to be a sheep is not exactly a compliment either. Uh, but I want to suggest to you that being a sheep is really not so bad with a good shepherd. And, you know, like the expectations of you if you were a sheep are kind of low. Uh, I, you know, uh, Ryan mentioned that I work at UConn with college students, and I've done that for quite some time now. And, you know, something I hear often from college students is, you know, during a stressful time like exam week or when you're trying to make a career decision is like, man, you know, I wish I could go back to when I was a little kid, you know, like being a little kid was kind of great because I didn't have to make all these decisions. Uh, you know, it was so, everything was just done for me. And, you know, it's no coincidence that there's this song in the last five years, one of the most popular songs among young people is that 21 Pilots song, Stressed Out, uh, where the theme of it is basically like, I wish I could turn back time to when I was a kid. Uh, so I wasn't so stressed out. And, and that song, res like, it instantly resonated with everyone who heard it. Because it's like, yeah, wouldn't it be great if these things were done for me? If I didn't have to be in charge of my own life. And then, and then think about how great it would be to be a sheep then if you had a really good shepherd. And what this psalm proclaims is God is a really good shepherd. Uh, look at the picture of God as the shepherd in this psalm. And it says, I shall not want. It's this picture of continual provision. It's not just now, but it's like, I know that I will never lack anything with this shepherd. Uh, it says, he makes me lie down. Uh, it's this picture of the shepherd causing his flock to lie down. Like the shepherd knows uh, when the times of day are to just rest uh, and to get, you know, he knows exactly how to give us what we need. Uh, green pastures are mentioned, you know, green pastures is food. The shepherd knows where the food is. Still waters is rest. The shepherd knows when to rest. Uh, it's talking about peaceful places that the shepherd leads us. And it, it says he restores my soul. It's this picture of the return of life the return of vitality, providing all we need to thrive because the shepherd knows everything we need. And he takes care of everything because we're incapable of doing that on our own. Uh, the best example of how the shepherd guides his sheep in this passage is it says he leads me in paths of righteousness. And what that's referring to is his commands. Uh, we often think of God's commands when we think about them as kind of burdensome. Like, you know, uh, why is he telling me how to live and what to do? Uh, but in the Bible, God's commands represent the best life. Uh, they represent a blessing, exactly what we need. Now, I mentioned that I have little kids and uh, last year, when my daughter turned five, at that time, she had found out about Venus flytraps, like the bug-eating plants, and was really interested in them. And so I kind of wondered to myself, like, maybe I could buy her one for her birthday. And sure enough, on Amazon, you can buy a Venus flytrap. And they're really cool, actually. Uh, but when I got it in the mail, I was unprepared for how, like, uh, 
detailed the instructions were for how you care for this thing. This thing is only found in certain swamps. And so like this thing, it didn't, you can't put it in a pot. You have to put it in this perforated basket and you can't plant it in soil. You have to plant it in this moss that thankfully they provided in the package. And then you have to put that perforated basket of moss with the Venus flytrap in it into another container with water in it. So it soaks it up like you, it would in a swamp, except uh, you can't just use any water. You can only use distilled water. And so I'm reading these instructions like, are you serious? <laughs> like I was not prepared uh, to invest this much in this gift. And, uh, but then I was looking at like the Q and A section and it was like, we always get questions like, why did my plant die? And it's just like, you have to follow these instructions. Distilled water only, like if you don't use distilled water, it'll die. And guess what? That was a year ago and we still have the Venus flytrap and it's doing great, okay? Uh, because we did exactly what it needed to live. God's commands are like that. Uh, they're, they can be detailed, they can be specific, they can be extensive, uh, but that's because it's how we were meant to live and there's no other way. And it says it's for his name's sake, uh, which means that God, the shepherd, is personally invested in our flourishing. And then verse four, another one of those like most famous verses, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I just want to acknowledge this morning, I don't know who all is watching, but many of us uh, come this morning in the valley of the shadow of death. And that's a metaphor that needs no explanation. Like if you've lived life for any amount of time, then you know that there are times in life uh, that are extremely scary. There are times in life that feel kind of like death. And, you know, speaking of that, like David, the psalmist, wrote this and he, he lived his life on the run. Uh, much of his life. And so he knows what he's talking about when he says uh, the valley of the shadow of death. And remember what sheep are like. They can't defend themselves. Think about how vulnerable that would be. And yet, in spite of that, he writes, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the rod and the staff are how, you know, it's how a shepherd gets the sheep to the places he wants them to go. And the idea, again, is it's a good thing I don't have to figure this out on my own because I couldn't. I don't have the ability to. But thankfully, the shepherd is here. He's with me. I cannot be afraid because of who is with me. I think I've mentioned to a few of you as I've gotten to know you uh, that I'm Brazilian. Uh, my dad is Brazilian and my mom's American and I was actually born in Brazil and I have uh, certain uncles and aunts and cousins in Brazil still. And I have this one cousin who, uh, I don't know if you know, you know, Brazilians are really into mixed martial arts, you know, MMA fighting. It's really popular in Brazil. And I have this one cousin who, uh, is he know like he's an MMA fighter and coach. So not only does he fight, uh, can he fight in using all these different forms of martial arts, but he also trains world 
champion fighters. Uh, this guy is just like a machine and uh, I don't get to see him very often every few years or so, but I can remember one time uh, him and I were walking around Washington DC and I had this thought of just like, you know, if someone were to mess with us right now, like I kind of want someone to mess with us right now because like, I'm not afraid at all. And it's because of who's with me, right? It matters who's with you. Who's with us in the valley of the shadow of death? It's a good shepherd. Uh, it's one that has actually defeated death. God being our shepherd and us being his sheep is so good. Like we could end the psalm there, but that's not the only picture. And there's more because God is not just a shepherd, but he's our friend. And we see that in the image of the table. Um, today, uh, the way you get to know someone is usually to go out to eat with them or something. But in ancient times, eating together was a very intimate thing. Uh, you did not eat with just anyone. Uh, one commentator says, to be God's guest is to be more than an acquaintance invited for a day. It's to live with him, right? So what's in view here in this image of the table is deep friendship, uh, intimacy, and there's the anointing with oil. There's the overflowing cup. And that's depicting the extravagant things a, a friend will do for a friend. When I was in high school, I had to have brain surgery to remove a benign tumor. Uh, thankfully, uh, it's all fine. You know, that was a long time ago and it's all fine. Uh, at the time it was a little scary, but uh, I had to have brain surgery and uh, when I had, after the surgery, I can remember a bunch of my friends from high school walking into the room and they had all shaved their heads in solidarity with me. And to their dismay, the surgeon had not actually shaved any part of my head in the surgery. So it was really funny, but uh, for weeks, you know, once I was back in school, like I would see these guys with recently shaved heads. And it was just a reminder of this reminder of the love of my friends. You know, look at like when I would just see them, I would be like, man, the love of these friends. I can remember uh, on my 30th birthday uh, a while back, my wife planned to have all five of my best friends from college fly in from all over the country to surprise me uh, for my 30th birthday. So like for months in advance, they were like buying plane tickets and making plans and renting cars and doing all this stuff to surprise me uh, and, they, and when they got here it was just like the best weekend and I was just like so thankful that they did all these things to make it happen and come and celebrate me and what you need to see is that God is a friend like that uh, he lives to bless his people and to draw them near and what you need to see is he's not just a friend though he's actually the friend you want to have He's a friend that's in control. Uh, it says he's a, uh, that there's this image of the table uh, before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, that's, so, like, that's an image that I didn't really get for a long time. This idea of what's in view here is he's already subdued our enemies. Uh, in other words, this is what the young people call a flex. It's like, 
<laughs> our enemies are here. We don't even care. We're just eating. Like, we're not scared of you. Uh, we've already triumphed over you. Uh, when I was in college, I was into college sports, uh, particularly college basketball. I went to a lot of the games and I had the opportunity a few times to storm the court after a big victory, you know. Uh, so like if you're not familiar with college sports, it's like, you know, if, if you have a really big victory, uh, really like for security reasons, like a bunch of students should not get on the court. But if the victory is big enough, uh, there's just nothing you're going to do to stop like thousands of college students from just running on the court and partying out there. And I, I got to do that a couple times in college. And it's this amazing thing because like the other team is still like there. We're like, we're taunting them and not scared at all because we already beat them. Like they're walking off the court. There's nothing they can do. And that's a picture of life with God in the face of danger. It's not just that I'm not afraid. It's not just a lack of fear, but it's confidence. And so given that, uh, the psalmist's conclusion is, if God is a shepherd like that, and he's a friend like that, then verse 6 Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, this is a verse where it's worth kind of doing the Hebrew thing and finding the meaning uh, in the words. Um, it says, surely good, surely tov, goodness, and mercy. Uh, that word that's translated mercy is a Hebrew word chesed, which uh, is often translated steadfast love or loving kindness. And it's this, you know, we don't really have an English word that just like encompasses it. Uh, it's covenant love. It's the closest thing we have to it is like the love of committed marriage, uh, a love that's rooted in a promise. And so uh, what this is saying is goodness and that really deep love rooted in a promise will follow me. And a lot, for a long time when I read that, I would think of like following, you know, it's following me from a distance, but that's not quite it because the Hebrew word for follow is this word radaf. And radaf means pursue. It's not just follow, it's pursue, it's chase. It can even mean persecute. So what this is saying is that God's goodness and his chesed, that deep covenant love, is pursuing you, it's chasing you, it's hunting you down. Do you know how far it is from heaven to earth? Uh, when I was doing some sheep research, I watched this short documentary about shepherds in India and it do documented this arduous journey that these shepherds took with their sheep for hundreds of miles or for months to find better grass. And at the end of the documentary, it was interviewing these shepherds. And here's what one of them said. He said, it's a very tough life, ours. We have to become cattle. To successfully raise cattle, you have to become like them. There's no eating on time, nor sleeping or waking up, nor no cleanliness or personal hygiene. If someone new takes up this life, he will soon start doubting his decision. And what you need to see is that 
That's what Jesus did in coming to save us. No one else would do that. Uh, God's pursuit of us causes him to not only become like us, but to die like us so that we would not have to die. And that's the God that pursues you today. He's coming for you. He died for you. He won't quit. And if you don't feel it today, which many of us might not, it doesn't mean it's not happening. Think about my wife planning that 30th birthday party for me months in advance, sending all these emails and making phone calls and making reservations, right? I, I didn't feel that, but it didn't mean it wasn't happening. Uh, think about Israel, God's people that sang this psalm. Uh, think about Israel and Egypt for, in slavery for 430 years. Uh, think about Israel with all the bad kings. Think about Israel going into exile. Think about Israel waiting 400 years from when the last prophet spoke until John the Baptist showed up with Rome, the Roman Empire showing up in between. Okay, you not feeling it does not mean that God is not pursuing you in love. It's actually the character of God to pursue his people in love. Now, what happens when you come to know the pursuing love of your shepherd and your friend? And what happens is that obedience and faith become instinct, uh, confidence abounds. Uh, listen to this one other story about sheep that I found uh, from a writer named Sheila Walsh, who grew up in Scotland around a lot of sheep. Listen to what she writes. She writes, uh, every now and then a ewe will give birth to a lamb and immediately reject it. Sometimes the lamb is rejected because they are one of twins and the mother doesn't have enough milk or she is old and frankly quite tired of the whole business. Uh, they call those lambs bummer lambs. Unless the shepherd intervenes, the lamb will die. So the shepherd will take that little lost one into his home and hand feed it from a bottle and keep it warm by the fire. He will wrap it up and warm and hold it close enough to hear his heartbeat. When the lamb is strong, the shepherd will place it back in the field with the rest of the flock. Off you go now. You can do this. I'm right here. The most beautiful sight to see is when the shepherd approaches his flock in the morning and calls them out because the first to run to him are the bummer lambs because they know his voice. Okay, that's a picture of what it's like to be redeemed by the shepherd. Uh, you come when he calls. Obedience and faith become instinct because who could run away from a shepherd so good? Now, I, I'd imagine, I hope that uh, there's some of you watching that might not be Christians yet, that might be exploring faith, exploring Christianity, struggling to believe, maybe, uh, struggling with doubt. And I'm so glad you're watching. And I just want, if that's you, I want you to consider the life of a sheep without a shepherd. One writer says it this way. He says, shepherdless sheep have questions, but no answers distress, but no relief, anguish of conscience, but no deliverance, 
tears but no consolation, sin but no forgiveness. In contrast to that, God's people dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's talking about the special protection that God gives to those who fear him, as if God's presence is just hovering above us all the time. Uh, A while back, Eugene Peterson passed away. Eugene Peterson was a Presbyterian minister, also a scholar, really remarkable guy. And at his funeral, his son spoke, and what what they talked about was that uh, their dad, when he preached, he really only had one message. Like, and they said, it's the same message that he spoke over us every night when he came into our rooms at night uh, to check on us. And he would always come into our rooms and he would say, God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. And that's the message of Psalm 23 for all of God's people so that they might live confidently, so that they might obey even when it's hard. He loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. And he is relentless. Let me pray to close our time. Uh, Father, we thank you that you're a shepherd and a friend. Uh, It is uh, hard to believe that when we look at the circumstances of our lives. And so I pray that Psalm 23 would be our song, uh, that we would speak it and sing it often, uh, that we would uh, be given strength to trust, uh, that you might hold us in your arms and quiet us by your love so that we might live confidently and put your goodness on display in our dark world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.